Good afternoon. Welcome into the BetUS NBA show. It's day two of the play-in tournament, and we're going to break down the matchups between seven and eight seats uh, tonight. But first, we have Alex Christensen and Josh Shee as our expert NBA handicappers with us today. I'm your host, Kate Constable. We're going to get to those games I just mentioned, but before we do, let's take a look at the seven, eight games from yesterday. And Josh, I'm going to accept defeat, giving you your props. For being on the winning side yesterday, you took the Wolves minus three. I took the Clippers plus three, and it was the Timberwolves that prevailed. And, I mean, I don't know if they won the NBA championship or just the first playing game, but uh, a lot to celebrate yesterday for you and the Timberwolves. Yeah, apparently more so for Pat Bev and the Timberwolves than for me. But, you know, still, still a nice way to win, I think, in the end, given I thought the Timberwolves had a lot go against them, especially in the early goings. They had a pretty harsh whistle, I thought, for a home team in an environment and situation like that. Uh, ultimately, though, it turned out that by the end of it, Cat being fouled out was probably the best thing for that team. I thought he was really sloppy offensively. Uh, it was a real hindrance as well to that team, just given the way he was playing, the ineffectiveness of it all, the sloppiness of it all, the laziness at times as well. Um, so I don't think it's coincidental that, you know, in his time on the court, they were minus 14 and you know, in his time off the court, they found a way to win and cover the line. So, yeah, hopefully he figures things out, I think, for the, by the time the playoffs actually roll around. But an interesting game. I still think the Clippers will eventually be able to find their way to the playoffs as well. Uh, but credit the Timberwolves. I thought they showed a lot of poise down the stretch for a team who was being criticized for their inexperience early and that that would be their undoing. And I felt like throughout most of that game that the Clippers shouldn't have been up way more than they were. It felt that way to me. And then, but the Timberwolves hung around the whole time. So credit to the Timberwolves for doing that because based on the whistles the Wolves were getting and the foul trouble in the, the first three half. three-point disparity um, as well in the first yeah, half. With like it, Clippers were 50% and the Timberwolves were 12% for a while there. So. I kept looking up thinking that the Clippers were up 10-15 and they were only up four or something. And, you know, at the half, then the Timberwolves are leading. Alex, we also had something very interesting happen in yesterday's game. Uh, someone glued themselves to the floor. I don't know how else to say it, but just, yeah, I mean. What do you mean? You know, I mean, that's somebody glued themselves to the floor. I don't think there's any other way to say it. Exactly. That's what I mean is there isn't any other, like, but how, those words have never come out of my mouth before. Just kind of a strange situation. <laughs> It's the NBA playoffs. There are bats, broken air conditioners, and now people gluing themselves to the floor. Anything is possible. We saw the. Tr it was. I don't know whether or not last night was good, but it was spectacular. And at the end of the day, when you start to look at it from a basketball perspective, this is actually a perfect example of the four factors. I mean, I know everyone's saying Minnesota got a bad whistle, but they shot 37 free throws. The Clippers only shot 27. Um, when you look at extra possessions, I mean, the Clippers turned the ball over four more times than the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves had five more offensive rebounds. So with 10 more free throw attempts and nine more possessions, it's, it's kind of hard for a team to lose. I mean, the Clippers played a decent game, shot 45% from three, and 
again, Kate, I echo that feeling. I kept looking at the score going, why aren't the Clippers up by more here? Why is this game so close? But you go back and look and you watch the game, it was just a little bit of carelessness with the ball, a little bit of lack of attention to boxing out and getting those defensive rebounds. But kudos to Minnesota. Hey, it's been a long time since those fans have had something to cheer for. I mean, Sam Cassell was running down the floor doing something they can't replay on ESPN the last time Timberwolves had were excited about basketball. So kudos to them. You know, let's not begrudge anybody for an excitement. I mean, we got kids storming courts and random regular season college basketball games. So everybody reel it in. Yeah. And the Wolves haven't been to the postseason. They've only been, I should say, once in the last 20 seasons. Like Minnesota's had a very tough run. Those fans were excited. Pat Bev. Be happy people are happy. What? Be happy people are happy. Is that so hard? What's the problem with that? I mean, I lost yesterday, and I was still happy for the Timberwolves fans as someone from Minnesota. If I wasn't from Minnesota, I wouldn't be happy as happy for them. All right, the other game we had yesterday was the Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nets jumped on them early. Kyrie Irving perfect in the first half. And then the Cavs come back and come, end up covering that game plus nine and a half. Uh, Alex, did you have any play in that game yesterday? Ended up with a bunch of um, Cavaliers positions live. It's hard to tell if the Nets kind of took their foot off the gas or if the Cavaliers were suddenly much better. So uh, there's two kind of storylines you can pull from this. Did the Nets almost fall apart and and maybe look kind of scary? Because uh, that defense still doesn't look right. I mean, the the Cavaliers had a lot of great looks. As long as they were taking their time and moving the ball around during their possessions, they were looking at open threes. Uh, The Nets were getting destroyed in pick and roll. I've never seen so many players open underneath the basket. So unless the Nets can make a big adjustment here, it was pretty scary. But overall, they played a great game. They shot 53% from the field. They put up a bunch of threes, could have shot better there, got to the free throw line a bunch, didn't necessarily turn the ball over much. I mean, it was a solid game, but you saw a lot of cracks in in what we thought would be a lot more solid structure. Yeah, Kyrie Irving finished with 34, Kevin Durant 25. Steve Nash did say in one of the mid-game interviews that he felt like his team had taken their foot off the gas offensively or wasn't playing as tough offensively as they had to start the game. So that definitely could have been some of it. Josh, what did you make of that game and and the Nets' performance? Uh, I wouldn't say I was necessarily impressed by the Nets. I think they did, for the most part, what we expected and what they should do against a Cavaliers team who have just been spiraling. And if it wasn't for the Bulls, you know, would probably be comfortably the worst team heading into the play-in playoffs, I think, uh, in either conference. So... I actually think, yeah, it was probably a little bit more concerning for Brooklyn that they allowed Cleveland back into the game the way that they did. And, and ultimately, down the stretch, you looked at sort of that start of that fourth quarter, and all it was was a lot of shooting splits evening out. I mean, the Cavs were horrendous from deep early and then sort of got to level pegging at the start of that fourth quarter. And as they did, they moved to sort of within a couple of possessions of Brooklyn as a result of that. So they were able to generate a lot of good looks. They just weren't able to hit their shots for the majority of the game, unfortunately, and had to play catch up as a result. So, yeah, I don't say I necessarily was impressed by the Nets. Uh, They were, their two superstars were fantastic in spurts again. And Kyrie in particular, obviously, in that first quarter, first half was amazing. Um, but that's what they need to be simply to be competitive, I think, in most situations in the playoffs. So 
Uh, as a Celtics fan, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily shaking in my boots by the prospect of having to play Brooklyn. It's going to be an uncomfortable first round, but I think I'm pretty quietly confident there. Do you, have you already placed any bets on the series, Boston and, uh, and Brooklyn? Yeah, I did. I got a minus 110 on Boston on the series, so grabbed that one pretty early and, and still think that there's a little bit of value even some adjusted numbers out there. Well, the Nets, as we just mentioned, advanced to play the Celtics, and the Cavs will play the winner of the Hawks and Hornets tonight, which we will get to in just one moment. But first, let's check out our overall record. And as we do, love it if you'd head over to Twitter, give us a follow. You can watch the show at BetUSTV. Alex is at underscore noobs. Josh is at punt underscore school. And I am at Kate Constable. Also, as we go through the show, throw some questions, comments in the chat feature, and we'll get those answered towards the end. All right, Hawks and Hornets tonight. Talks are laying five and a half at home. Total here is 235 and a half. It's kind of win or go home time for both LaMelo Ball and Trey Young. The season series between these two teams tied two to two. Josh, what is your play in this game? I like the Hawks and I like them a lot in this matchup and in this situation. Um, you know, we've seen how good they can be at home circumstantially for the majority of the season. I think this is one of those situations again where we get probably their best effort at home. Uh, they have a lot of matchup advantages that I like here. A lot of things that stand out, especially given the way the game is likely to play out. We're talking about an environment where the games are largely being played in half-court sets, and the Hawks' half-court offense is terrific. You know, they have their flaws elsewhere, but they're still a top-five team when it comes to half-court efficiency against a Hornets defense that is sort of bottom tier in the league uh, in that category as well. And when you look a little bit more specifically at the style of play as well. Hawks, top five again in pick-and-roll half-court sets, top five in efficiency and points per possession off of those pick-and-roll plays as well. The Hornets, again, bottom 10 in that situation. Uh, you look at the, when it comes to the three-point uh, game in particular, which I think is obviously going to be prominent from both teams here. Hawks, very good in terms of efficiency, uh, spacing and catch-and-shoot threes in sort of running um, sets for those players on the perimeter. The Hornets' defense doesn't do a great job there either. And then the flip side, the Hornets, obviously, we know, sort of live and die by that three ball. And Atlanta's half-court three-point defense is actually pretty good. And if that, again, comes to the fore today, I don't know how the Hornets are going to keep pace in a game where Atlanta could come out aggressive, should come out aggressive. And if they can put some separation between them in the early goings, I don't like Charlotte playing catch-up in this situation one bit. Uh, the other obvious, I think, mismatch and, and outlier here is the inside presence, something that Clint Capella and even a Congo off the bench, off of those pick and rolls with Trey Young in particular, should be able to roll to the rim. And I don't think they're going to have a whole lot of resistance there either. We know Charlotte's shortcomings when it comes to having to run at the five and generally playing a little bit of small ball lineup with PJ Washington there. So uh, I would look for some Clint Capella props as well in this game. I, I think that, you know, he has a, a massive day on the glass. I don't know how the Hornets keep him off the offensive glass in particular. Uh, they're not a great defensive rebounding team themselves. So everything for me screams Atlanta here. I, I think, you know, the move to five and a half, I wouldn't be too deterred by it. I think if they do go out and win, they should win this by margin. Um, obviously the volatility is the three-point shooting and the absolute volume you're going to get from Charlotte there. So, you know, as long as we don't get Charlotte shooting 50% on their 45-plus threes for tonight, I can't see a way that the Hawks don't go out and win this comfortably by double digits. 
Do you think I would have learned my lesson yesterday going against you? But we're just going to run it back, and I'm going to go against you again tonight. I'm going to take the Hornets plus the points. And I, it's interesting to hear you talk about Atlanta's um, pick-and-roll offense because on the defensive end, the Hornets switch everything. They switch everything more than anyone in the entire league, yep. and Atlanta's 17th against that type of coverage. And Trey Young has really struggled against the Hornets this season. He's averaging just under 20 points per game, and I think a lot of that is because of the Hornets' ability to switch everything, and he's not getting that space or creation on offense to do what he likes to do. So Terry Rozier's done a great job defending him. I think they can um, keep him at bay at least a little bit. I mean, 20 points per game is pretty good, but it's not if you're Trey Young. And he needs a big game tonight with John Collins being out. I also think the Hornets, if they can get out in transition, I know the Hawks like to play fast, but the Hornets um, rank first in transition points. And if they can get out and run a little bit, I see that being an advantage for them tonight. And if we think back to last year, Charlotte's been in this position before. They played in the play-in game last year. They got beat by 27 points to the Pacers. So they know what this game is all about. They know exactly what not to do in this game. And so I think they have a really good opportunity to keep this one close. So I will grab the points with Charlotte. Alex, be, uh, be the tiebreaker here. Who do you side with? I lean towards the Hawks. They've been playing much better basketball. Being at home is huge for them. I think they've won 11 of their last 12 at home. But the best look to be is the under here. I've been waiting all day. I've been going back and forth because my numbers come out pretty close to this total. But I'm trying to think about what we saw yesterday and what we generally see in the playoffs in terms of teams being more willing to slow down possessions, defenses being more ready to slow down offenses. I mean, we saw both of those totals go under pretty comfortably. I mean, the Cavaliers-Nets total got within 10 points of the total simply because it was a ton of points the last minute of that game as they were kind of going up and down. So 235, I look at the regular season matchups. Again, fairly old matchups. I mean, they played once in March. Everything else was before the All-Star break. But only one of those games got over 225 points. I mean, we're looking at 235 here. So I'm kind of waiting and and seeing how this moves around. It's been slowly ticking up over the last couple hours. I might end up like with an alt under 230 or something like that. But Hawks at home, I think, get it done. All right, Josh. Well, Alex is siding with you. Boys versus girls. We'll see who prevails uh, once this one's over tonight. <laughs> Josh is taking the Hawks minus five and a half, and I'm taking the points with the Hornets. The Spurs Pelicans, our other playing game in the West. Pelicans, five and a half point favorites here. Total is 224. The winner of this game will play the Clippers for the final playoff spot. In this series, Spurs have won three of the four games between these two teams, but they tonight are the underdog. Alex, who are you taking? Give me the Spurs. Uh, One of my favorite things to see in sports is when an athlete's like, I'm going to play. I I love that. Give me the other (laughs) team. I mean, that means Brandon Ingram's going to be out there tonight fighting through some sort of injury. He's not going to be 100%. You go back and, and look at what the Spurs have quietly done over the last second half of the season. They've been a great team. They've covered a lot of numbers. They've won a lot of games. Um, these guys are fresh. I mean, Popovich basically looked at it and went, we're locked into this game, whether it be the 9 or the 10. 
great, let's give Devontae Murray a little break. Let's give Kelvin a break. Let's give Vassell a little break. And now everyone's kind of healthy here. We know Brandon Ingram isn't 100% now. I love Valanchunas. No one has said more nice things about Valanchunas than me, but Pirtle does a decent job against him. And again, you go back and look at the regular season, some matchups a little older than others, but the Spurs had a lot of success. And I start to think about it. It makes sense. I mean, they're guard dominant in this matchup. With all due respect to C.J. McCollum, Devontae Murray is the best guard in this matchup. Keldon Johnson is probably the best wing, especially if Ingram isn't 100% healthy. And give me Popovich at this point. I mean, this team is deep. They're playing good basketball. And I have this much closer than the 5-5.5 five, five we're looking at. I still have the Pelicans as favorite, but, you know, by a point or two, not by 5-5.5. Five, five so give me the Spurs here. I like that play, Alex. I haven't um, locked that in yet, but I've been working on it, and I think I will prior to game time. I think that's a great look, especially because we don't know this for a fact by any means, but this could be Greg Popovich's last season. Is this his last game? I mean, how does his team respond to that type of narrative? You don't think that that's any factor, Alex? I feel like it's been his last game for a little while now. <laughs> I mean, if you asked me that question a year ago, I'd have been great. Let's get him out of here. He didn't seem like he was totally locked in a season or two ago. There was a lot more videos of him talking about wine than basketball but this season it seems like his interest was a little bit renewed I think this team's a little more fun I think he likes working with younger players with a little more dynamic guard lineup like this and we'll see what they can do I mean if Josh he made Josh Richardson useful for the first time in a long time so anything's possible yeah dynamic guard lineup for the Spurs DeJounte Murray's 0.2 rebounds shy of averaging a triple-double against the Pelicans this season. So can expect a big game from him tonight. Josh, what are your thoughts on this game? I kind of lean towards the under in this game um, for similar reasons and circumstances. I actually like Willie Green a lot. I think he's a terrific coach, and I think he's done a lot with the Pelicans. And yeah, I'm very curious to see how he sort of stands up in this environment against someone who, let's say, is a little bit more well-versed in such situations. So ultimately, though, I think it's going to come down to execution of offense, which is obviously you know, an obvious statement in itself. But like uh, Alex said, I, uh, this could ultimately as well be determined by whether Brandon Ingram is actually healthy. And if he's not... That could be a real hindrance, I think, to the Pelicans. And, you know, when it comes to these superstars who go out and play games of this magnitude and they're not close to 100%, the big issue there is that those guys still get their touches and they still get their offensive sets and they still, you know, I guess have things run through them. And, you know, if you're not at the level that you need to be, then all you're doing is essentially hurting your team. And in an environment like this, in a win-or-go-home situation like this, uh, that can sort of derail the team and, and things can sort of untangle really quickly for the Pelicans. So that is probably my biggest concern for anyone that wants to play on the Pelicans in this situation is Brandon Ingram's status and, and whether he really is healthy. And if he's not, just how much that might hurt the team as a result for, uh, by him being out there, for, especially for extended minutes, assuming he plays you know, close to his normal volume. Um, but again, when it comes to the total, I do lean towards the under here. I think that these two teams will ultimately want to slow things down. Um, we've seen signs of it as well in, in you know, high-pressure games where both these sides as well from the top of my head have uh, gone down to half-court situations, especially in the fourth quarter. I think we see that for the majority of this game. And if that's the case... 
I actually like both defenses to be able to get enough stops, especially when you look at how both offensive, how how both teams, sorry, uh, line up offensively. In that, neither one of them necessarily high three point volume teams. Neither one of them necessarily going to be uh, shooting early in the shot clock off of those offensive sets either. So it'll be a lot of mid range game and a lot of late shot clock situations, which gives me a lot of confidence in saying actually the under is the right side of that one. So that would be the only way I play it. Um, again, I, I think that if Ingram's situation and status it kind of leans you to have to play the Spurs at the current number that it is as well. Speaking of you playing the under, Pelicans are third in percentage of points from the free throw line, so they rely heavily on getting points at the line, and the Spurs are really a disciplined team. They don't follow a whole lot. They don't send uh, their opponents to the free throw line all that much, so I, I do like that angle of taking the under here. But Alex is the only one with an official play. He has taken the Spurs plus five and a half. Questions? Any player props for tonight? What would the show be without a question on player props? Who wants to start us off? I mean, only because I mentioned it earlier, and, and that's, I think, Clint Capella player props. I, I like his points. I like his points rebounds, and I like his rebounds individually. So just go line up all three of those and, and be done with it for the day. Alex? Uh, I'm perfectly fine with that, but... Hunt unders. Unders have been really great. I can't imagine how much money people made on Carl Anthony Towns unders last night, but uh, these playoff games are where the lineups get short and, and situations get tight. So try to find somebody who's maybe the eighth, ninth man. Look for unders there. Look for somebody you think has a bad matchup. Shoot for unders. It's time for unders. Okay, well, I'm going to go with an over. Um, so I, <laughs> I like Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Herter over his points, 12 and a half. If, if Trey Young struggles at all tonight, not saying he necessarily will, but if he struggles at all, the Hawks are going to need another offensive weapon. And I think Kevin Herter's a player that can step up, knock down some threes and, and, uh, make it over that 12 and a half. Other questions, other series props, Toronto and Philly winner. Alex, what do you think about um, the series with the Sixers and Raptors? Already made a bet here. Look around. There's a lot of places to do this fun little combo. Team to win game one, team to win the series. Give me Sixers to win game one, Raptors to win the series. The longer this series goes, the better it looks for Toronto. The Sixers have all the star power. There's part of me that thinks the Sixers come out and blow the Raptors absolutely out of the water. This is a 4-1 or better series if Philadelphia is locked in. But... There's a lot of things to be concerned of. The Sixers have struggled against teams with smaller, more flexible, deeper rosters, just like the Raptors have, where especially when Thibel's not going to be able to play in Toronto. And I know that playoff rosters are shorter, but man, the Sixers really only have about four or five guys who are healthy and that you want on the floor at this point. So it's a nice spot for the Raptors. I wouldn't bet them in the series now. Either wait till the Sixers win game one and bet them or look to see if you can find that market. But I was able to get, again, the Sixers to win game one, but the Raptors to win the series at about plus 450. Nice. That's some good value. I like the Bucks to sweep the Bulls. I think Chris said that a couple shows ago, Josh. Maybe that was you. The three of us talked about it, but I, I don't see any any way that the Bulls hang around in this series. I think it's a pretty quick and easy series for Milwaukee, and and I wouldn't mind taking them to sweep at all. Any any other plays for you, Josh? Yeah, I, I locked in a Milwaukee minus two and a half games there, minus one twenty five. I think that price is pretty gone around the marketplace. You could probably get creative. You take a Milwaukee 4 nothing, Milwaukee 4-1, split your stakes accordingly if you're getting good odds there. You can sort of manually create that same outcome. 
I think much the same. I, I don't see how the Bulls possibly win a game there. The way they're playing and the way Milwaukee's playing as well and the dominance that they have over them just in general. Uh, and obviously, I got on the Boston Celtics at a pretty decent price as well to beat the Brooklyn Nets. I think if you can get a minus 125 or better there, I show value on that as well. Um, they're probably the two I, I see the greatest uh, edge on in the markets at the moment. Obviously, a lot of injury question marks around that Golden State Denver, where the Steph's back for game one. So it's, it's hard to want to get involved too early there until you know more information. And, you know, we've seen Utah absolutely plummet, which uh, doesn't bode well for Luka Doncic in that situation for the Dallas Mavericks. So, uh, again, until we probably get a little bit more clarity on that situation, I wouldn't be wanting to find an entry point there. Obviously, the value screams Dallas, but you know if you're not getting Luca at any point in this series, it's it's difficult to want to back them there. Just because the Wolves played last night, uh, thoughts on their matchup with the Memphis Grizzlies? Because I've heard a lot of uh, talking heads think that the Timberwolves can give the Grizzlies a run for their money in that series. I would love to know their logic and reason for that, to be perfectly blunt. Right. <laughs> I think the, the Grizzlies could win that series 4-1. Um, maybe there's three or four close-ish games where, you know, Minnesota's in it down the stretch. But ultimately, I, I really like the Grizzlies in that matchup. Alex? It seems like a really comfortable spot for members. They, uh... People have slept on this team all season. They continue to. Great. I'm going to look for some Memphis props. Memphis minus one and a half games. Looks really nice to me. I think Josh kind of hit the nail on the head there. I don't know what we saw from Minnesota last night or even in the last month to make me get really excited. This Memphis team has been beating the crap out of teams without John Morant. John Morant's back. He looked fine the other night. He's ready to go. And even if he takes game one off, Memphis has got home court advantage. They're fresh. They're going to destroy Minnesota in minutes uh, with backups on. And we're not going to see something like tonight when, I'm sorry, last night where KAT goes off the floor and the Grizzlies fold. Uh, they're going to take advantage. So I, I like that series for Memphis a lot. I don't disagree with, with what either of you have said on that. I would uh, definitely play Memphis in that series as well. Let's take a look at our best bets for today. Only two games, three picks all together. Alex is taking the Spurs. I'm taking the Hornets. Going up against Josh, taking the Hawks tonight. Well, Josh, uh, best of luck. We will be back tomorrow to recap. I hope I'm on uh, the other side of this one. But you've been on a great streak, so you have me a little nervous. But we got to just ride with it. And uh, Alex, best of luck with your Spurs. We'll be back Those to Spurs go. Yeah, and uh, first round of the play. We don't have a show tomorrow. Actually, there are no games. Correct. And then no, the final playing games are on Friday. So we'll be back on Friday. No show tomorrow, and then um, it's straight into the playoffs. They start this weekend. Exciting time. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead, hit that alert button to subscribe. That way you know every time we are going live, and we will see you on Friday. Have a great night.